0: rock and roll on another one today. Look, if you're looking to hire some people, finding good talent is difficult to do. Or is it? Let's find out on today's episode. Here we go. Shut up up. and sit down. Look, a business can give you everything you want in life. Prestige, wealth, freedom. It can also take everything away from you. This show is for those who are willing to take that risk. These are the real life stories of entrepreneurs. But before we start, I have one small favor to ask please leave a comment, it could be advice, critiques, tips, feedback, or share this with someone because your engagement is the most valuable and most powerful form of social currency. So thank you, and welcome to another episode of Business Boss. Alright, people run businesses and getting good people to run your business can be a difficult task. We're living in some interesting times. There's many people quitting their jobs and their job migration has just been getting worse. Companies are having a hard time finding and keeping top talent. It's probably because those companies are not designed to attract and keep that top talent. As a result, they might have high turnover, remain stagnant in their growth. Well, today's guest is here to share how, t- how bringing a talent-centric organization can result in huge ROIs. So, if you're ready to find out how we can get this done for your organization, let's welcome to the show Miss Carol Shaw. All right, we got the party started. Carol, welcome to the program. Great to be here. Thanks. All right, let's jump into this thing. Uh, I like—I always like to talk with uh, with my guests about. First and foremost, their experience. What put you in this position where you're building talent-centric organizations? I'd imagine you had to go through some organizations that probably weren't uh, people-friendly, <laughs>
1: employee-friendly. Yeah, that's that, that's actually sort of an understatement. Um, but you know, I started in the business of executive search 30 years ago, and I started in the business of doing my training, development work, in coaching about almost 25 years ago. And the more I learned about the business, the more I realized how much really just didn't work. And the internet just exacerbated it, right? So in 2008, I had the, you know, come to Jesus meeting with myself and decided that something needed to change. And I had been in the business that at that time about 16 years and started working on this process interviewing a lot of a lot of executive leaders and um you know vp leadership and so on and so forth and really realized not only from my own experience working with large companies and startups startups are really you know what gets me going right um how much just doesn't work and didn't work and started building this process so that's
0: really the genesis of it When we when we do a lot of things in our lives, I always I always feel like we are preconditioned because of how we were raised. Right. So if you were raised Catholic, for example, there's certain types of qualities and and points of views that you were Mm -hmm. raised in that kind of perpetuate forward in your life. Mm -hmm. Um, I know when I first started to get into business, I modeled it around places I've already worked in the past. And that doesn't necessarily mean it's a success model. It's just a model that I had in the past. Mm -hmm. So how do you, how does one break free of that? They're going to start their business. They're only going to do what they Mm -hmm. have experienced. Um, How do I know if what they've experienced is a good thing that I should model or something that I should scrap and, and kind of move forward?
1: Yeah. You know, that's a really fantastic question. And you need to get people around you who know what they're doing to advise you and counsel you. All right. That's, that is really, I think the lowest common denominator in there. Right. So a lot of people bring in, bring in advisors, but those advisors don't have the experience that I have. Right. From a talent standpoint. And, you know, we as human beings, you know, one of my great coaches said to me, long time ago, you know, you don't have business problems, you have personal problems that show up in your business. <laughs> mm. So what ends up happening is, you know, we have all this baggage. We, we have these things that live in a world of, you don't know what you don't know, or I refer to those as blind spots. And to your point, we start dragging that, that giant suitcase along with us everywhere we go. And it takes somebody to be able to listen and ask questions and see the things you can't see to help advise you so you can break those patterns of doing things the way you've been doing it and open up the possibility of doing things in a very different way.
0: You you said that you like dealing with startups. That's kind of the, yeah. the, the bread and butter that you love. Where my heart my is. Yeah, where your heart is, right? Yeah. My experience with startups, um, with specifically in the solopreneur space, mm-hmm. is – their name is, uh, is the business name, right? Their, their craftsmanship, their, their customer service, it's all about how Mm -hmm. they built the business. And Mm -hmm. oftentimes what I see is abdicating or, you know, giving somebody else some of that responsibility is very difficult for some of these people to do because at the end of the day, anybody you bring on, no one you bring on is going to work as hard or care as much as you do. Mm -hmm. Um, and, I'm wondering cuz you're 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 talking about creating an organization that's talent uh that that's talent friendly that wants to bring people on board mm-hmm. but at that beginning phase first you got to get that person in the mindset that you actually are willing to bring people on board and that's that right. you're allowing them to also even make mistakes that's mm-hmm. hard for a mindset how do you get past that
1: Well it's and that's another really great question you know what what you have to do is you have to really first look at what is my goal for my organization right what's my vision for this company is my vision to be a solopreneur in perpetuity mm-hmm. there's nothing wrong with that if that's what your vision is or and you know the startup i work with solopreneurs with companies who are either bootstrapping uh, and or taking you know institutional capital to grow into a real live company right so when it comes to looking at who, you know, who we're going to bring on board, this is a huge challenge because whether you're a solopreneur or somebody who's looking to, from a solopreneur, grow that company, you have, I mean, I have experienced exactly what you said. I, I nobody's going to work. Nobody's just, nobody's going to be, you know, as committed as I am to my company, but that's not really true. And part of that is a matter of training people that, you know, where there's a gap so they can actually be me, right? Or, you know, Mm -hmm. and bringing in people who are experts in their area. So here's an example for you. Um, I've just started recently working with a founder who has come up with a technology in the renewable space. I'm not going to mention what it is because it's in stealth mode at this point. Um, And it, um, I haven't gotten my hands to see the technology yet, but that should be coming in the next week or so will be literally a game changer if it comes to fruition and you know part of the issue i'm having in, in looking at this and in the questions i'm asking is you know who does he already have around him helping him right you know i've only got limited funds and um you know i you know how much debt do i want to go into and you know i've asked him well how committed are you to building the company before you get funded in which case you mm. may need to go into some debt i mean any any entrepreneur that is unwilling to go into debt it is, in my opinion, is probably not really committed because you have to spend money to make money and you have to take risks. You have to take calculate yeah. risks. Right. So, you know, that's that's, you know, he, you know, he let me ask about, you. Better. Yeah,
0: go on. Yeah, let me ask you about the, the the searching for this talent really quick because you know in in my in from my point of view I got a lot of seventeen year old students that are about to head out into the real world. Some of them mm-hmm. are going to venture into this, into this entrepreneurial space, right? Um, and you know, like we discussed earlier, you can be the solopreneur or you can start with the attracting talent right away. Um, the only issue there is a lot of times there's either ignorance or there's ego involved, right? The ignorance part, we can kind of overcome. I don't know what I don't know. You're going to bring mm-hmm. a mentor in. Somebody mm-hmm. can guide you, kind of fill in the holes there. Mm-hmm. The ego kind of is the other side of the story. And I think sometimes, you know, we, we think of the ego as the, you know, I, I'm, I'm you know nobody can do it better as I can. But the other side of that is you might not feel comfortable. Or how do I know if this person is actually really talented at what they do when I bring them on board? What do I have to offer to this particular talented person where they can go out and make a significant amount? Why would that person want to be on my team? Like, How do you get that entrepreneur at the very beginning to attract mm-hmm. some of that talent um, right. to, to bring them on board, to build something together that is that is great? Right. Well, you've got to really
1: have, you've got to have a vision. You, you, you have to be solving a problem. I mean, the, really the lowest common denominator is that you are solving a problem that people need to have solved. Right. I just had this conversation with somebody. This is, this is, you know, on my own podcast, this is the common denominator among the most successful founders. They stumbled into something in their own lives that they realized, oh gosh, I really need this problem solved. And guess what? I'm not the only one who needs it to be solved. It's Mm -hmm. a want versus a need, right? People actually need this. If people need this, right? So that's where it starts. And you have to be able to present that, pitch that, you know, whatever word you want to use, you have to present that in a way that shows your passion, that shows your commitment. You really believe this. And you've got to get them to believe it right this is why i've got to you know they need to get me to get my to be able to see a demo of this technology in this renewable space because i can't help him build an organization in the way i do that without buying in com- at 100 you know 20% myself because you know, how am I going to go find somebody from Tesla, for example, and get them to go to mm-hmm. start a job for only one hundred and fifty thousand dollars? Because you know, this is a startup. You know, none of us is going to yeah. walk in making a half a million to a million dollars a year. Okay, so we have to yeah. believe that we need to get our bills paid. We need to. We need to um, get the right amount of equity, and more, even more importantly than that, we need to ask the question. What is it that you are looking for in a new organization? Like what's going to get you to say, you know, this is something I really need to take a look at. And those are some of the questions that, that people are missing asking. You have to ask the candidate what their needs and desires are and what's missing where they currently are. What's like, let's you,
0: um, you have a podcast. You've been interviewing, mm-hmm. uh, oh, what happened?
1: Founder, primarily founders and CEOs.
0: Sorry, we're gonna, okay, so you're interviewing uh, primarily founders uh, founders and CEOs. Um, what are some of the biggest obstacles that you see them facing uh, as they're building their businesses? I mean, you're, you're like me, I'm, I've literally been doing this for you know over a thousand mm-hmm. episodes, I've interviewed over mm-hmm. 800 different entrepreneurs. I'm curious, uh, for me, it's been amazing. It's like plugging into the matrix, I get to learn from all these different people. Sure. What's the common thread that you've been seeing when it comes to their struggles in building their organizations? A lot of it, I
1: have to say, a lot of it boils down to, to cash, right? And, and you know, startups don't have a lot of money. So they have to really figure out a way to get the right people. So a lot of them, the struggles that they have are, you know, they have an internal recruiting team who I would not necessarily consider to be professional recruiters, Right. They're, the, they're, they're the kind of people who've never had any real training and they think that recruiting is about sending out LinkedIn spam mm. and that's not yeah. recruiting. That's sending out LinkedIn spam. That's not what a professional headhunter does. Okay. That's what I learned 30 years ago is what it is to be a professional headhunter. So, you know, we, we, you know, I had, I had a founder recently tell me that I interviewed on my podcast that you know, he, he had assigned somebody in his organization, some 20 something, you know, young 20 something year old kid who doesn't know anything about the business to go out and find some search firms for them to work with. And I mm-hmm. said, now, why would you have, you know, how did you, how did he go? Well, he just went and you know, the, the top search firms are the ones who do the most revenue in the country. I said, just cause they do the most revenue doesn't mean they're going to be a fit for you. What that means is True. they have enough volume, right? And if you're looking for a volume, go shop at Walmart. right? It's a, that's, that's the mentality that that is. So it's, it's, I have to, you know, I ask a lot of questions and spend a lot of time educating on how things need to be done. I
0: got a buddy of mine. He was on the show. He's got a, he's got a, um, a podcast as well um yeah. his company's called full scale and what they mm-hmm. do is they find top programmers um and a lot of their companies based out of the philippines and so they take these programmers um they they go through an entire process testing certification all kinds mm-hmm. of stuff mm-hmm. to, to vet that these uh programmers are as good as they right. say they are and then they sub out the program work to companies that are looking for part-time or Mm -hmm. full-time programmers. Mm -hmm. And so to me, that's two aspects of a business, right? One part is the vetting the top talent and having a process and a system in place Mm -hmm. to get those qualified people in the door. And then the other side of the business is, okay, I got the top talent, now it's time to put them to work. And these are different aspects of a business. So I'm wondering, do these things get built simultaneously? Do we start with the structure for bringing talent in first? But then kind of we're halting on the revenue side. Like, you know, as, as an entrepreneur, it's kind of tough to, to kind of yeah. make some of these big drastic decisions because mm-hmm. you need the people. But mm-hmm. you also need the revenue. Like, right. I, 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 like where's the balancing act when it comes to some of this? It's stuff?
1: really, really hard. And 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 that's why, you know, I suggest it, to many of my clients you know, hire the consultant and have the consultant to help you through this process. But really what has to happen is you first have to be aligned at the executive level. Okay. Fully aligned, rowing together in the same direction, um, on the same page. You know how to communicate. And then as you start bringing in your people... I meet with each department head. I meet with the, you know, the chief sales officer. I meet with the chief financial officer. I meet, you know, if they have one at that point, they, they may only have a few people. And, and, but let's call them the department heads for, for, to make things easy. And each department may have a different strategy, right? You have a different strategy of hiring software engineers, right? Than you do hiring mm-hmm. field sales organization. Because what mm-hmm. motivates those people might be different. I mean, salespeople, yeah, they want to sell stuff they believe in, but they also are very, very uh, revenue focused, (laughs) income focused. Okay. And it doesn't mean that software engineers aren't income focused. They are. And income is not the only thing we're thinking about over here. But what motivates them is something different. I had a client uh, who sold their startup five years after they started it for north of a half a billion dollars to another well-known tech firm. And I'll never forget the co-founder and CTO said to me, I want to hire engineers. Uh, this is back when I was still doing some search work. And I agreed to do that among many other jobs for him. I, 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 never, I never did a software engineer prior and never did one after that um, because of the <laughs> brain damage it caused me. But, but what I will say is he said to me, Carol, I want people who want to do great work. Right, Mm -hmm. and that that there uh, around all the other things in the kickoff meeting that I learned about what they needed and so on. And a software engineer allowed me to ask better questions in the interviews of those people. And I'll tell you a quick story. I had I had a kid who was from China, who had uh, just gotten. I think he had just finished his master's degree, and um, he had gotten already had an offer from Amazon at that time. They were paying engineers, I want to say, I think it was 110000 dollars a year plus a 50000 dollars signing bonus paid over two years. That and this was many, this was Ooh, a number of years yeah. ago. And this is a kid coming right out of school, okay? Coming from a communist country. That's a lot of money for you know to, to make a hundred and you know, a hundred and fifty, seventy thousand dollars a year over the first two years. That's pretty impressive. And um, he said to me, and this is pretty close to a quote. He says, well, I've already got this offer from Amazon, but, but if your client's paying more, I'll be happy to talk to him. <laughs> and I literally <laughs> cut the conversation off right there. And I said, I'm sorry, you're not a fit for my client. Mm-hmm. Period. Good luck with your job at Amazon and moving forward from there. Right. Well, let me
0: let me hover on that, because that's that's a great point right there. Right. When you're vetting people, um, you know, I, like I said, I, we got 17 year old kids here who are about to enter the mm-hmm. workforce. And on the one side, you know, we're talking about organizations uh, hiring top talent. But I kind of want to flip that. Yeah. What makes person, a person that top talent. In other words, you know, in today's (laughs) world, what I tell my students is, is college isn't the, the end all be all for the route after high school. Not for everybody. You're right. Not not for everybody. And, and especially today, as I talk to more and more employers, they don't really care whether you have the four-year degree. They're looking for that certification. They're looking for that experience. They're looking for that top talent or that top, Mm -hmm. uh, goal oriented individual. You've been interviewing a bunch of people. How do they define top talent? So what what advice can I give my 17 year old seniors to prepare them if they're looking for a job to be top talent? Right. That's such a great question. And, and I hate to give you this answer and I'll
1: expand on it, but it depends. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Like the typical answer a salesperson will give you, well, it depends (laughs) and it depends on a number of things. So, 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 if you are viewed from the outside as a top-level company, so for example, there are people out there, you know, let's go back 10 years or so. Um, people would say Google is the end-all be-all. Yeah, Got to go that. work for them. They are considered an A player, hands down. Okay? At least at that time they were. I don't know if they still are. Um, you're know, a giant company who can give lots of benefits, but maybe
0: TikTok's got them beat a little bit.
1: Okay. So yeah. So, so Google was the end all be all people from the outside. We'd look at that and go, "Yep, yeah, that's an A-level company that the best people want to work for. Okay. Then let's take another company. I, I, hopefully I'm not going to get hate mail. <laughs> um, <laughs> hopefully not. Hopefully not. <laughs> let's look at somebody like IBM. Okay. okay. I don't consider IBM an a, an a player, not even, not even close and not anymore. Th- not anymore. Right there. And there are many reasons for that. Okay. That we, you know, I don't want to waste our time talking about. So the best people, if they, you know, if they're looking at Google versus IBM, where are the best people going to go? They're going to go to Google. Right. But there are people who aren't, let's say a level talent who are B or B minus or C plus level talent that would be a perfect fit for IBM. So that's when I say it depends, that's why it depends. You have to look at what the outside viewpoint is of this company. You know, is this is this like walking into Fairway in New York City and going, this is the greatest supermarket ever? Or the HEB down in Texas, right? These are fabulous supermarkets. Right? Compared to something like, you know, Kroger or Albertsons, they can't even compare to these great supermarkets. So, you know, or Costco versus, you know, Walmart, where do people want to work? They want to work at Costco because they're, it's a great company. They take care of their people, so on and so forth. They are con- they would be considered an A-level company probably compared to Sam's Club, right? So that's the depends and that's what matters. And that's what you have to start looking at.
0: So let, let's talk about some of these top talents. Cause I feel like a lot of times, especially when we talk about employees uh, and recruiting people, oftentimes business owners want to go with salary as the number one factor that's going to determine whether an employee Mm -hmm. is going to come to them or not and that's not always the case Mm -hmm. um i know from my my kids my own personal children for example giving them money as a reward isn't always as good as giving them praise or giving them responsibility or Mm -hmm. freedom or title Mm -hmm. there are plenty of other things that can make an organization talent friendly. Um, Mm -hmm. what are some of the things that when you're coaching people, as far as their organization's Mm -hmm. concerned to be able to offer the talent as they come in to make that position a little more attractive? So there are a number of things and, and we still can't make assumptions.
1: We still have to ask the question, what do you need, Mr. Or Ms. Candidate? What are you looking for? You know, we'd like you to stay here for the next, at least minimum four years. What is that going to take? to get that loyalty. And if you want to stay longer, that's fantastic. Okay? So some of those things are uh just general employee training and development, right? And coaching. What's going to make me a better employee? What's going to make me a a more effective communicator with my peers, with my managers, and as I'm a manager with, you know, with my subordinates, right? What's going to make me a better employee? Um That is really huge. You know, are there not everybody wants to move up the food chain? So offering somebody, offering someone growth opportunities to move up the food chain may not be what I need or want. I might just want to be a worker bee. So it 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 you have to ask the question and listen, right? I say all the time. There's a big difference between hearing and listening and your students that are on here and everybody who's listening to this needs to, needs to listen to this 100%. Listening is, is an active, an active, um, it's, it's active and it's with intent. Hearing is just hearing and going. There's no retention there. You know, you hear somebody outside doing something. You're not retaining that. You're not actually listening. They're two distinctly different things. People need to listen. They need to ask questions, and they need to listen, which is
0: intentional. Listen, listening, and hearing. Hearing is what you do when your parents tell you what to do. Listening <laughs> right. is what you do when your friends are telling you what's going on. Yeah, yeah Right. Yeah, yeah, That's yeah. the difference between the two. Yeah. All right. Um, we're in a we're in a weird stage after the pandemic. There was yeah. a lot of people who wanted or were forced to work from home, mm-hmm. and then as things shifted back to a uh, quote normal uh, normal employment. Uh, things were never the same. We Zoom a lot more. We have email that goes mm-hmm. crazy. We have you know, cloud technology and all kinds of stuff that has changed the way we operate as a business. And there are more and more people who are like, you know what? I don't want to drive 45 minutes every day up and back to go to an office and sit mm-hmm. there. Um, how are organizations today dealing with the uh, work from home or mobile uh, operations? Has that changed mm-hmm. the workforce or finding that uh, great talent that we're looking for?
1: It absolutely has.
0: It's it's offered it's
1: offered companies the opportunity to really go anywhere to find the best people for them, right? So, you know, we we I mean we all know the story of Twitter. What's going on over there right now, and and you know Elon Musk's ridiculousness about insisting people start, you know, being in the office 80 hours a week again. Well, you know what? You cannot just demand that of people. I don't care who you are. This is not, this is him not asking what his people need and not listening to what they need. Right. Mm-hmm. I have interviewed numerous founders who started their businesses remote long before COVID was ever in our lives. So companies are still grappling with how to how to make that work for them. The biggest challenge of a remote workforce is, is how do we really create that culture, that water cooler culture, right? Where we can walk down the hall and, you know, chit chat with somebody for a few minutes before we Mm -hmm. go back to work. You know, my recommendation is, I, I mean, I interviewed another founder who said his two partners, I said, "Are, are you not bringing in all your remote people that are outside the country? I mean, at a minimum twice a year, but really at least once a quarter, where you have an all hands, you come in, you bring people in for a week or four days or whatever that is. And he said, my partners won't spend the money on it. <laughs> but, <laughs> okay. And, and there wasn't anything he could do about it, which, you know, meant I, there's no way I could, you know, I, I helped him as much as I could, but it, you know, this is how, this is how you solve part of that problem is, is spending the money to bring people together. That will buy still you a, so much. It's ridiculous.
0: Yeah, because there's still so much to be said about that human interaction, right? right. Uh, I remember yeah. teaching online for a while and it felt like yeah. I was – well, for me, it was like podcasting, right? I turn the screen mm-hmm. on. I see myself on the camera. No worries. But imagine having a, a Zoom meeting with yeah. like 30 blank screens, just little icons. That's what it was like doing online teaching. Mm-hmm. And yeah, the, the kids got to know me because I'm you know animated behind the camera. Right. No big deal. Yeah. But – When we came back to school and they would say hi, I had no clue who they were because, Mm -hmm. A, I didn't see them in the camera, didn't hear their voice. There's no real connection that happens. I couldn't depend on them. I couldn't – I didn't really trust that they would do or trust them as a person. Cause I didn't know who they were. And I think that's what, yeah. that's the flaw of having mm-hmm. some of these uh, work from home organizations right. that do not take the time to bring their people together. I feel like that's what you were kind of describing. Right? There's
1: no question. I, I would far prefer to be sitting in the same studio with you having this conversation.
0: Yeah. Agreed. I'll be
1: perfectly honest. I mean, it's not that listen, I'm, I'm fine. I'm great behind the camera. You're great behind the camera. It's not that we can't engage an audience this way. Okay, but you're still missing that actual human face to face interaction, you know. Where where here, although you know, if my doorbell rang, the dog would start barking, and you know that would be that, right? I'd I'd be like, oh great, here goes the dog barking, you know, or somebody cutting the grass outside, or you know whatever that might be. Mm -hmm. So, it 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 you know, hundred percent remote is fine if it works for you. Hybrid is fine if it works for you. But you, I I cannot stress enough, you must bring your entire organization together quarterly. I firmly believe that. Or at a minimum, you know, semi-annually.
0: Man, and shake a hand every once in a while. It's, yeah. a, it's a lost art, this whole handshaking thing. Mm-hmm. All right, Carol, before we head out, you dropped so much great information for us today, helping us build uh, talent-centric organizations. If people want to work with you, find out more, how can they do that?
1: Well, they can certainly go to my website and uh, fill out a form and and uh, I'll get it. And that's VerticalElevation.com. They can also reach out directly at to Carol at VerticalElevation.com. Um, and that's the best way to reach me. And we'll schedule time Perfect. to talk.
0: lastly, we got your social there as well, Vertical Elevation Inc. uh, on uh, on Instagram. So ladies and gents, look, it's what it comes down to. You got to build a business. You need to have people. You can't do it by yourself. You can have a self-employed business, but the moment you go on vacation, so does your paycheck. If you truly want to build a business that will extend beyond uh, your life, hopefully into multiple generations, then it's got to be dependent on people and not just any people, the right people. So make sure you guys reach out, go to uh, verticalelevation.com, verticalelevation.com, fill out that form and have a conversation with Carol, at least that first conversation, because you never know what doors are going to open, what other people see in your business that you don't see because you're there every single day. So Carol, thank you very much for joining us on the program today. Ladies and gents, we'll catch you guys on the next one. Peace